0: Hi, and welcome to Intercom on Product, which is a new podcast series with myself, Des Trainer, co-founder of Intercom, and Paul Adams, who's our Senior Vice President of Product. Over the time we've worked together, Paul and I have had countless conversations about things like how to run a product org at scale, how to balance customer feedback on your product roadmap, how to spread a product-first mentality throughout a company, how to maintain design excellence in a fast-growing R&D team, and so much more. In this series, we're going to begin sharing some of these discussions with you on a regular basis, covering everything from industry trends, what's hot right now, all the way through to things like, how are we embracing the rise of automation? So if you're a designer, product manager, engineer, researcher, or anything in between, we think you'll find these conversations really valuable. You can subscribe to Intercom on product on iTunes, you can stream it on Spotify, or even just grab the RSS feed in your player of choice. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Intercom on Product. This is episode seven, the product strategy edition. Welcome Paul Adams, our SVP of Product. Hi, Des. Nice to be here again. And I'm Des Trainer, your host. So, I was in a bar recently. It doesn't matter where because I'm lying. (laughs) And somebody asked me, what is a good product strategy? And I put that question to you, Paul.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, So, let's start at the very top. First thing is, at least here at Intercom, I imagine many other companies out there. We have a company strategy and a product strategy, right? And they're different things. And but so, not in conflict. No, not in conflict. conflict absolutely please. not. Right. Uh, the product strategy—it's actually a direct relationship. The product strategy comes from the company strategy. Right. The part—the product strategy is a part of the company strategy. So, for example, you know, I run our own product team. We also have LB who runs our sales team and yeah. Shane who runs our marketing team yeah. and and Owen who runs our company and right. Owen who runs our company, right? right. And you yeah. and so. There's lots of different uh, parts of the company, all of whom need a strategy, a coherent strategy, Mm -hmm. and the product is only
0: one piece of it. Right. Is that something that PMs will often lose sight of? Like it's easy to kind of think that your strategy is the overall strategy, like you have this kind of God complex, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. (laughs)
1: Uh, I have seen that in the past. (laughs) But uh, to to be fair though, it's not just PMs. I think a lot of the startups do this too, right? They, they, They conflate the two. Uh, and they don't separate them enough.
0: And it, it's fair to say, like, in some cases, a company is literally defined by its exact product. Like, as in there is a one-to-one relationship between what the company is trying to do and what the product is trying to do. Yeah. And a lot of, like, you know, maybe like a lot of B2B products would be in that space. It's also fair to say, like, that, you know, Uber or WeWork or Airbnb, like, they're not just defined by their app. Right. So I'm sure whoever's working on the Airbnb mobile app has a product strategy for that that they're trying to solve. hmm But, I'm sure like bigger picture Airbnb concern themselves with things like like regulations, like generating a market of global landlords, blah, 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 all that yeah. type of stuff. So just so I think like your product strategy is a perfect subset of your company strategy. And the only thing that we're really debating here is uh how much of a subset is it? Is it most of it or is it just one little piece? Like yeah. a classic example for me is like IKEA. I was talking at a conference last week to somebody who manages to uh, ikea's mobile product which has like you know fancy augmented reality stuff in it and everything you'd expect yeah. these days but obviously that's not the ikea strategy that's just a product strategy right so i think you, you, there is there's clearly a, a subset relationship and it's just the magnitude of the subset is actually what's relevant
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely and most people listening aren't ikea or uber or airbnb where like logistics and the yeah, physical yeah. world is like a big mm-hmm. part of their product and yeah. company most of them are more like us probably where yeah. it's simpler in that they probably have a software product and they probably sell it. Yes. And that to me is like the distinction between, the easiest distinction between a company strategy and product strategy is that if you think about product market fit mm-hmm. as a kind of core component to any successful company, the company strategy is, defines the market or helps yeah. define the market
0: yeah.
1: and the product strategy obviously is the product yeah. and the product must fit the market. Yeah. So you can have great markets, you can have terrible markets, yeah. uh, you could have a terrible market yeah. and a great product strategy yeah and you'll fail.
0: yeah, you know? so yeah I often describe this as like you could build beautiful high-end seven fingered gloves. yeah and your product might actually be perfect. It's just the market is very, very, very small. yep. and as a result, it's hard to if such a business should fail, it's hard to distinguish which was wrong, but like actually like when you actually look into it, the thing was kind of broken by default in right. a sense. and that's at the sort of company strategy level. Uh, versus, if you were to go something like I don't know, like you know, you have a plan which is like cool socks endorsed by celebrities, mm-hmm. but it turns out the socks are shit, then it's probably a product fault and not an right. actual company strategy fault.
1: Yeah, I think an interesting duo that we also talk about here is at the same level is a product strategy and then product positioning, mm-hmm. and obviously like both of those mm-hmm. things are very deeply intertwined, but they're di- they're different too. You know, like the product team, for the most part, owns and drives the product strategy. Mm-hmm and the marketing team, for the most part, owns and drives the product positioning. Mm-hmm. And so both of them need to also play off each other.
0: Yeah, it, there's an interesting thing that's changed there, like the advent of like things like jobs to be done generally tends to produce products that solve problems. Yeah. And the positioning is then interesting because like the problem can exist in loads of different circumstances with loads of different buyers uh, at loads of different time points. Yeah. And how they position it is how they, you know, in some sense, attach themselves to demand by saying, like, you should use X, when, Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the product team might not necessarily care too much about the specifics of the instantiation of the solution. Yeah. They're more obsessed with, anytime this problem occurs, we have to solve it.
1: Yeah, it also reminds me, like, you know, in one of these, like, moments on Twitter where I'm like, mm, yeah, that'll piss a bunch of people off if I say this. <laughs> I remember tweeting once, if you've built a great product that no one knows exists, have you yeah. built a great product? Right, Right, which is kind of getting a, a similar thing where, Again, you can have a great product strategy. You could even have a good company strategy mm-hmm. and a great product strategy and execute it excellently. And if your product positioning is off or
0: your marketing strategy is off, yeah. then it doesn't really matter. And you can take positioning like with a sort of capital P to include like the price point and you mm-hmm. know all that all, you know, it's kind of where you literally put it in the world to be consumed. Right. Um and then you'll find it, yeah, you can definitely find yourself in a situation where you have a good product but not a good business. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Um so that's the difference between a company strategy and a product strategy. Recap it again, because I know we kind of meandered there.
1: Yeah. So think about product market fit. Yeah. But the company strategy
0: tells you the market. Yeah. Who you who, who are your
1: buyers? Yeah. You know, where's the value? Where's the problems? Yeah. Uh, how big is the market? Is there opportunity there?
0: And then the product is obviously the product half of product market fit. Right. So then, talk to me about what you actually want to see in a product strategy. What yeah. are like, sort of, what are the ingredients? What makes it up?
1: Yeah, so we do have a framework for this here. And it's heavily inspired by Michael Porter's paper, What is Strategy? Yeah. Which is, an ama- again, like he is in that. It's an amazing yeah. paper. And we've kind of evolved it, or like built on it, evolved it. Um, there's things that are unique to us, of course, like anyone. Uh, but the main components are one, there are unique activities in the strategy. So, in other words, if you think of a strategy as, as made up of lots of different activities, yeah. i.e., things you'll do, yeah. then some of those activities should be unique to you. Right. And the reason for that is unique being like other people don't do them. Right. Uh, and the reason is that you need differentiation. Yeah. It needs to be something different about your product. Why would I buy this thing over that thing? Oh, that's different yeah. and better yeah. in some way.
0: Yeah. I guess defendably unique is the thing you really want there, right? Like, is in, it shouldn't just be unique because you're the first person to think of it. Ideally, yeah. unique because you can do it in a way that isn't copy-pasteable, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or it's hard to copy and paste. Yeah. Like, we, we, we've we had this. We You know, Intercom's
0: history is kind of
1: literate examples where, We've done something, and other people have followed it. And it's happened. I
0: can't Did think you? of a single time that's happened, Paul. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, yeah. for sure, for oh, sure. And yeah. we've done it too, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We've been inspired by other companies, and we've copied yeah. what they've done at times. So the
0: differentiation's always only temporary. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's valuable, it's only always temporary. I think that's definitely true in the realm of software that you can kind of like, like B two B software is all like, you know, take stuff out of a database, put it back in, render yeah. it a certain way with a certain font. It's, yeah, there's no there's no sustainable modes there.
1: Yeah, and so that, and that's where the def- defensibility piece comes in, yeah. where you need to make it hard to copy. Yeah, yeah. So it's unique in that it's d- different for you, at least for this point in time, and yeah. then hard to copy.
0: Yeah. So that might be your product, it might be your route to market, it might be, you know, I guess I'm going back to the macro level, but within the product strategy world, things that are hard to copy are what? Like, I can think of, like, say... A platform play, I can think of like right. building a specific type of brand. I can think of like maybe something like crazy, like 3D AOR technology that like no one's going to be able to see behind it. You know, it's kind of black box when it chips. So yeah. People, people can't work out how you do it. It's magical, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for a product strategy specifically, you're in the realm of like classic things that would be what classically are hard to copy, like data, mm-hmm. yeah. knowledge you'll build on top of that data. Mm-hmm. You know, we've an app store, we've apps. Yeah, like yeah. It's hard to get third parties to go and build 20 apps that are in your app
0: store. Yeah, especially as a startup whatever. Uh, so, yeah. There's a community element maybe as yeah, well. You know, if you have users or whatever. Yeah. Cool, so then, so you've got some unique activities, is that it? No, that's not it. Okay, uh, I'm
1: done. we you have similar activities. <laughs> right. So, uh, and these are kind of obviously a sister pairing, similar activities, mm-hmm. which is things other companies do in mm-hmm. the space you're playing in that mm-hmm. you need to do too. Right. Uh, so they're similar. Right. Uh, and that gives you competitiveness. Right. Right. As opposed to like differentiation yeah. or defensibility. Right. It's like, hey, look, if I'm going to switch from product A to your product, yeah. product B, yeah. you need X, Y, and Z before yeah. I'm switching. So it's like different and better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think like, there's an interesting distinction there. You can do them as well as or better than. Okay. Obviously, yeah. and maybe you could make the argument that it could be like a little bit worse if yeah. the unique activities are so strong. Yeah. So there's a, a definite relationship there between. You know how different and defensible are the unique activities uh-huh. to pull people in, and how much yeah. are they willing to sacrifice the similar activities? Right. I think for the most part, if you want someone to switch
0: for the things they value in the product they're using, the yeah. similar activities need to be yeah. You as need to be, as, like, as in if someone wants to like go after Slack, they need to be similar enough to Slack such that you perceive them as being switchable to from Slack. Yeah. Uh, so that's the similarity piece, and then they also need like a reason why they're better that Slack just won't copy and paste, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: that's a great example yeah. actually. Um, Slack, you know, for the most part, copied and was inspired by certainly HipChat from yeah. Atlassian that came before it. I'm sure they dispute that, but like yes, uh, they for, might for, for the rest it, of the yeah. internet, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, HipChat had a certain amount of features, mm-hmm. and which Slack, is rip
0: off a campfire, just while we're keeping score, r- right? Which <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah. that's
1: right. Yeah. And so, so for someone to switch from HipChat to Slack, Slack yeah. needed to be as good as. Yeah. HipChat in a whole bunch of dimensions. But yeah. then they, you know, I think Slack did phenomenally well was built these unique activities. Mm-hmm. All the like interoperability, mm-hmm. like, you know, we have, our, we have our Slack instance connected to all sorts of stuff, yeah. monitoring, yeah. like you name it. Yeah. And that's hard to copy, yeah. you know, and that's where the kind of unique activities come in.
0: I often visualize that as like tentacles in a sense, in that like, uh, like HipChat and Slack at their core, they were basically group chat plus one-to-one chat uh, yeah. on, on the web and on mobile. Slack's product was actually better full stop. Yeah. But they're basically the same product. Right. However, the tentacles piece is the uniqueness. Like it was really easy to rip hip chat out because it wasn't attached to very much stuff, maybe yeah. like a GitHub plugin or something like that. Yeah. To rip Slack out today, it'd like it'd there'd be so many cords pulling it back mm-hmm. in again that when you let go, it just clip straight back. Yeah. Uh so you know, it, it that's what makes it harder to rip out. Yeah. yeah. Please don't increase our bill slack.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the second thing, similar activities. Yeah. The third thing is actually connecting these things, things together in that all the activities should be coherent. Right, They should fit together. Right, And this actually is one of the most common mistakes I think people make and we've made them and I've made them certainly in my career over the years where you ha- you're doing things and you're doing certain activities yeah. and you see a new opportunity or a new opportunity emerges like you realize people are using your product in this way you hadn't mm-hmm. realized before. But there's very little coherence, you yeah. know. Like, like the some of the activities fit together. It's really right. obvious, you yeah. know. Going back to the IKEA example, yeah. or or like Airbnb is actually a great example yeah. where Airbnb are kind of like moving into these new types of businesses, and they all obviously connect together. Yeah, you know, like travel as a broad yeah. experiences,
0: industry. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: all connect together,
0: and so. But if they did a dentistry thing on the side where they're uniquely differentiated, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, like, yeah. To- totally,
1: yeah. exactly. It's very easy to fall into this trap because you can make money doing this. Mm-hmm. You can make money with like these like kind of little other Adjacent parts of the strategy. Try, try that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, but they don't fit together and yeah. you can't
0: tell a simple story yeah. to tie it all. Yeah, you end up with a, a position that has a lot a lot of ands in it. You know, yeah. it's like, we're blah, blah, blah. And we also do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we and each of those ands you've told yourself is I think a differentiator usually. Yeah. But in practice, they're like differentiators that have nothing to do with the thing you actually are. Yeah. It's like, it makes you different but not in a good way. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think a, gra- a great way to think about this as well is, the sum should be greater than the parts. Mm-hmm. You know, like these activities, because they're coherent and they fit together, mm-hmm. the sum is greater than the parts. They build on top of each other. Yeah. And again, like a lot of the great logistics companies like like IKEA, which mm-hmm. is, you could argue, like, you know, a logistics business in a whole bunch of ways, mm-hmm. the things they do all benefit the other things. Yeah. And so when yeah. you get these things that are like out on the side, yeah. not only are they like distracting, they're not really helping the other things.
0: Yeah. They're just—it's almost like running a separate business alongside it, and somehow claiming that that's your differentiator. Yeah. Okay. So, so as far as you've got, you, you've got your unique activities. You've got your uh, like similar activities. Yeah. You've got the coherence that is like that the, all these things should fit together and kind of self-support. Yeah. What else are you looking for?
1: Yeah. So I think that's kind of like the first half, if you like, mm-hmm. of, of of a great product strategy. The second is a kind of a different set of things. So one is you wrote a great post product strategy. means saying no Thank one you. time? Yeah. You should read it. Yeah. I'm still dining out off that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the next thing trade-offs so you can't do everything yeah. and you need to you need to say no and again this is like something that's very easy to say very hard to do because again a lot of these ideas and activities look good and they're potentially a revenue stream or like a, a user you know there's a lot of usage there and so on so the trade-offs are really important, saying no, saying we, we are going to do this and we're not going to do that. Yeah. And so like our product strategy here at Intercom, for example, has very, very clearly states what we're not doing. Yeah, There's no ambiguity. It's not like, huh,
0: they, they didn't mention X. Maybe maybe that's in. Why do we need to state that? So like counter-argument here would be anything that's not in the strategy stuff we're not doing, right? Like, yeah. But like, and obviously, and I'm sure wherever we wrote down all of our trade-offs, we haven't, like, we're also not going to open a kennels and, and, like, start a playground or whatever, yeah. you know. Like, there's loads of stuff we're not doing that we also haven't documented that we're not doing. So is it the stuff at the margins that we have to be careful for? Or?
1: Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think the dangerous about any business is that mm-hmm. the boundary of a, of that business is fuzzy. Yes. It's always fuzzy, yeah, yeah. right? The, like, and, and that's where the...
0: the so the fu- trade-offs are like the walls of the garden, basically. Yeah. Like we're Ar- not going to go past this
1: point. Yeah, the Airbnb one's a good example. Like, the experiences, mm-hmm. you know, like... There's one thing about like going to a place, you know, renting out someone's home and that kind of stuff. Then like if you're Airbnb and you're expanding, you're like, okay, experiences, well, they're in the place and it's clearly Mm. adjacent. Yeah. But like, you know, how far do you go? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, actually... uh, Are you going to
0: start doing restaurant bookings? Like, where does it stop,
1: right? Exactly, you know, or are you going to start, you know, doing restaurants, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like someone yeah. will make the case that, hey, that's going to be a great business yeah. for us because we'll get people to go to our chain of restaurants. And yeah. that's We're, obviously... Brex,
0: saying. the finance startup, recently opened a, re- a restaurant. Did they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most <laughs> random move ever. Anyway, sorry, that was that's the side point. Yeah. I think that's really interesting like that. Do you have to define, effectively like, the walls of your product, like, uh, like that's like that quote, like, you know, this far you shall come, but no further, if you know what I mean. Right, exactly. And I yeah. think like you need a conceptual way to say like why that wall exists. Yeah. I do think over time you see businesses like they're all of their mission statements get blurrier and blurrier you mm-hmm. might start off by saying a computer on every desk and in every home and by the end of it you're just like be awesome that's yeah. the picture so you know yeah. we help people be or some shit like that yeah, right? yeah. I think like that's the nature of like kind of progressively uh, you, success expands the walls of the garden yeah. until before you know it it's not just book the place it's like dating to find somebody in the city it's restaurants it's yeah. like childcare it's like marriage yeah. you know but and it's just like live your life or whatever Right, like that's that. that's But that sort of creep is okay as long as you're succeeding every step of the way, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's dangerous too, though. Like, I don't know where the I don't know exactly where the phase is, but like, try and put something um, concrete on it for people who are listening. Maybe it's between like a Series B or a C or a D. Mm -hmm. But there's a danger where you know many companies go to the wall, and Mm -hmm. you're like, "What happened there?" And their success is what led them to fail. Like, you know, the the to try and like build on the analogy, like. The garden's blooming mm-hmm. and more stuff is growing. Yeah. And the walls haven't been clearly defined. And suddenly like the gardens, you know, this is this this uh, analogy's gonna really start to, to lose its way now. But like the, okay. it's you know, it starts to become like overgrown and like yeah. it's into the woods and the the plants are now growing into the woods and like okay. you didn't define where the wall was and the boundary was. And so right. um, as a result you get spread thin, you get
0: pulled all over the place. There's also a sense of like lock in the success with the garden. Yeah. You get your horticulturists in, make sure that's in good nick then put a gate in the back wall and be like, all right, we're gonna go into this next property here and we're gonna start doing a new thing. But I think like I think one danger I see with a lot of startups is they raise their C or their D round on some new Broad area mm. that they're going to go into, right? Having not really like guaranteed the success in what has got got them to that point, so then yeah. they still kind of they still had a lot of problems in their current garden, if you like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, here they were trying to claim that they're going to open four more so they get a large valuation, and right. I think that's that's a danger. So so that's trade offs. Yeah. Lastly, pra- practically, like, what else do you want to see?
1: Yeah, I, there's probably two other things I'd mention. Maybe this is three things, uh, and these are like very obvious things: a time frame. Mm-hmm. Right, So like a great product strategy and a great company strategy yeah. for that matter has a clear time frame. It can be a year. You know, people kind of think as well that, that, we have this problem with the word vision too where people are like, oh, it must be like really big exactly. and long. Like 20, 30s, and like, oh I yeah, think. like you yeah. know, we're reinventing how humanity does X and Y. Like a great product strategy could be 12 months long. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Yeah. You know, as long as it's 12 months long and you understand why and,
0: yeah. you know, six months later you're making a strategy for yeah. the Following whatever, and what would you know for it? Like, what what do you consider to be the conclusion of the strategy? Is it like you've you've executed the activities?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: It's actually the 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 next thing on the list
1: here is it's measurable. Yeah, yeah, actually, it's that it's outcome focused mm-hmm. and measurable. Right. So that so these kind of all, all kind of connect together. Like, there's a clear yeah. time frame. It's an it's outcome focused, right. and then it's measurable. So, right. so the, a great project actually should say something like, you know. Um, you know, over the next three years yeah. or by the end of year yeah. three, yeah. we are going to do X and Y. Yeah. They're like specific, they're yeah. outcomes. They're not like yeah. we're going to ship a new product. We're going yeah. to ship an updated version of this product. Mm-hmm. It's like the outcome is something more centered around, you know, the business health or customer yeah. value or growth. Right. Yeah. And so it's very outcome focused and measurable. Yeah. And so a great strategy to answer your question in a different way, a great strategy shouldn't require that question.
0: Yeah. It'll just be obvious. Yeah, like we when we've hit this, we need to move move on to strategy two or strategy five exactly. or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So from the top that's unique activities, uh, which is your differentiators, similar activities, which is but basically uh, makes you competitive. Uh they should fit together, it should be coherent, they can't be totally different things. Yeah. And then in terms of execution, there should be clear trade-offs, i.e., the walls of the garden should be clear. You need a rough time frame that you're working within, and there, and part of that time frame should include like the outcomes of this strategy, which themselves should be measurable in some clear way. Yeah. Not to change topic entirely, but Google Buzz, Google Wave, Google Latitude, <laughs> Google Plus—these are all products that Paul Adams has worked on, and they. Well, I'm not going to say that they were all home runs. I'll stop just short of that. Uh, but my my question to you is, unrelated, can you spot a bad strategy?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I was just a researcher in most of those projects, you know. Just, did you just research? Li- just little me walking around <laughs> did, the place.
0: Did research inform the strategy? It <laughs> yeah, <they> did,
1: yeah. <laughs> can you have a bad strategy? Absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. And as many ways, uh, like we said earlier, if you take it from the very top, mm mm-hmm you can have a great company strategy and a bad product strategy. Right. And the inverse is true too. Yeah, yeah. And so you can absolutely have a bad strategy. Yeah. I guess the implied question is like, how do you spot it? Yeah. That's a good question. If I'm trying to, try and, you know, imagine how
0: I would do this in a fictional world. Like if I dropped you into a different company you know, and yeah. so I was like, evaluate your strategy, Paul.
1: Yeah. The first thing I do is, maybe this is what I do when I retire, you know, in, mm-hmm. in 20 years. I go into the company. The first thing I do is actually just talk to people and interview right. people. Because at the very start, you know, something we haven't mentioned yet is, a great strategy is only great if it's communicated properly. Right. Right. So, like, obviously, same as the thing earlier, like, if you created a great product, if no one's used it, like, if you yeah. create a great strategy, if no one knows
0: what it is, yeah, or yeah, has heard it, or can start. And everyone's tipping away, and the strategy is totally irrelevant to the actual day to day. Yeah.
1: So, the first thing I do is actually ask everyone in the company, mm-hmm. what's your strategy? Yeah. And they should be able to do it in, like, elevator pitch style, yeah. you know, two or three minute version, dead simple. And they should yeah. mostly, you, know, you wouldn't expect like 100% accuracy, but mostly all say the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's it. Then they're like, all right, there is a strategy. Mm-hmm. That's a good start and people know what it is yeah uh, and then then you get into all right so what's what specifically is is the strategy yeah. and you know how how would I identify a bad strategy well one like it wouldn't have the things we just talked yeah, about. yeah so nothing
0: right? unique or or like you know no yeah. time frame or something like that right? yeah exactly so like yeah.
1: woolly not measurable no time yeah. frame yeah. um a, a thing you a thing that I've kind of commonly seen in the past talking to different companies here and there about their strategy because you know this, this is a, a common thing mm-hmm. and one of my conferences and stuff I' talked to you about this stuff. Uh, obsessed with competitors yeah. is a common thing yeah. where if you think about the unique activities and similar activities, they are like completely over yeah. indexed on the yeah. similar activities yeah. uh, they're trying to find like what we, we need feature x, we need feature yeah. y and you know yeah. uh, rather than looking for unique value yeah. like you're obviously competing with a certain amount of companies, yeah. and you need to understand like what's wrong with those companies' products.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. why would people swap to you, to your new product you're building? I see. So what you're saying is like, so one part of evaluating a strategy is does it have the six things? Like, are there differentiators? Are there like the time frame, the yeah. trade-offs, et cetera? And then separately, like, let's say we check all those boxes, then you're down into like the actual evaluation of each of these things. Yeah. So maybe I'll give you a hypothetical. So like, let's say Joey Wizkid walks in the door and they want Paul to advise them and they're willing to take a check from you and they're good to go. They're after hiring all of the hottest designers off Dribble. They've, you know, they've got all the top UX professionals in the industry and all those people are off giving conference talks that, that, that Joey Wizkid's paying for, of course. And, uh, and Joey Wizkid says... The dream, you, team so far. the dream team is assembling it. It's like the Avengers, right? Like, uh, and yeah, exactly. And there's a load of open source engineers who are busy working on, on like frameworks. Uh, so um, I guess if the strategy says, says something like this, we're going to kill Workday. Right. right, Workday yeah. is a big bloated piece of product that no one yeah. likes. Yeah, we're going to kill it. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, years one and two, we're going to absolutely feature cover them. So we're going to be feature com- competitive with Workday in every sort of core yeah. thing. For like the first two years, that's, that's going to see us through. Yeah. Then we're going to differentiate in terms of visual design. We're going to have the strongest visual design that HRIS systems have ever known. Yep. And we're going to do this with a grassroots adoption mechanism. We're going to go in at the very bottom of the market to like the most junior person in the HR org. And we're going to follow that Dropbox model and crawl all the way up the org. Yeah, Are you getting any bad smells here? I uh, actually you Workday, putting your checkbook away? <laughs> I, I absolutely am.
1: I, th- I think Workday is a brilliant example. Actually, right. a brilliant example because on one hand, on one hand, people do often say like, "Oh, Workday." You know, mm-hmm. someone was going to come and like, you know, displace Workday. Uh, I mean, I was guilty of this honestly years ago because when I worked at Facebook, we used Workday as our H- uh, HRS system, and at the time, and I'm going back like five or six years, it was built in Flash. It's no better. It was built in Flash. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And this okay. is like you know, five or six years ago, right. and it was incomprehensible to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like a, a database oriented, yep. and it was built, and the front end was all Flash, and I was like, wow. But having said that, Workday are phenomenally successful. True, right? phenomenally successful company. Yeah. And so the first kind of place I go if, if Joey was kid said all those mm-hmm. things to me is like, do you know their real problems at Workday? Like, yeah. or problems people care about, which is an, another kind of in, interesting and subtle distinction. There are problems that you know customers and users of products have, yeah. and then there's how much they care about the problem. Yeah. Right. So like the front end is a great example yeah. of this. Like. It was built in Flash, you know. I was like, I thought that, that was a bit,
0: uh, you know, out of date, let's yeah. say. But it's just tasteless rather than actually a problem, right? Like, yeah,
1: and, and like, did like it, it stop you? It, 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 it
0: offended you like a bad cologne, but like at the same time, like it hasn't actually changed you. You're still requesting your days off or whatever, Yeah, exactly, right? like, and it still worked, yeah. you know,
1: ultimately. It wasn't the most pleasant experience, like probably not, but it still was fine, you know. And so like this you know, beautiful new front end that this mm-hmm. dream team is going to build, yeah. like how much do the like
0: superhuman for Workday sort of thing. Yeah, right? like, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and
1: so like kind of two questions. One is,
0: yeah. how much do the users of the product actually care? Yeah. Like actually really care? Yeah, yeah. Like care enough they to switch. Do anything different in their life because of this?
1: Yeah, yeah. and care enough to switch. Care enough yeah. to like learn a new product, mm. learn a new UI, yeah. you know. And then secondly and more importantly for a company like Workday is the buyers of the product. Yeah. Do they care? Yeah. Right, because the buyers and users are, are different people in this yeah. case. Yeah. And I bet you they do not care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're not using the product. Yeah. They're looking for like all the, all
0: the different features yeah. and bells and whistles does yeah. this thing do this is it security compliant Right, tons yeah. of stuff like that yeah and then like so I guess if I was to throw back the uh, the sort of ingredients of what you'd want to see in a strategy like what, what offends here is that the differentiators aren't seeing things people care about the sort of sim- similar activities are like exhaustive and yeah. you're probably likely to if there are problems you're probably likely to recreate the problems by copying them yeah uh, the time frame seems pretty diluted not like two years yeah. before you get market reality is pretty long right I think there's a core assumption about bottoms up adoption, which probably doesn't actually hold up because yeah. like most teams, you don't have workday until you're like a few hundred people, which means yeah. you have director of such and such that makes that decision. Yeah. and They're probably already like, much like say Salesforce or whatever, they probably just workday is like an auto-complete in their browser when they type W, if you know what I mean? Mm. Like they're not, they're not open, they're not that open-minded But what they'd use. So I think you could probably diagnose a strategy based on the sort of your qualitative evaluation of the sort of six core ingredients. Yeah. We are yeah. coming towards the end here, and we've talked a lot about strategy. We know ourselves, the listeners of this podcast range from like, you know, two people in a garage to like 2,000 person companies. What would be one good takeaway that you think would resonate with a chunk of them?
1: Yeah, I'd go back to what we were saying at the very start. Like Michael Porter? Yeah, I, I, honestly, you, that Port, that Michael Porter paper is phenomenal. And, and yeah. it's the kind of thing like, a lot of people read in university, and they're like, yeah. oh, all right, Grant, when you were in university, you'd didn't know anything about anything. Yeah, yeah, almost.
0: yeah, you didn't have the problems such that the solutions wouldn't click into your mind. Yeah, or the yeah.
1: experience to actually yeah. think about it, you know. Yeah. The Michael Porter paper is really, I think, inspirational and mm-hmm. people should read it and really internalize.
0: It's, it's like 30 or 40 years old as well, right? It's like,
1: Yeah, I think it's the 70s, yeah. 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 It's incredible. Yeah. Um, maybe the 80s, yeah. But it's uh, the unique activities thing, the similar activities thing, like the word activities, it's a bit jargony, but it's yeah. a- incredible. And people should take the time to read it. Like, yeah. honestly, if you don't do anything else after this, you should do that. We'll link it in the show notes, I guess. Yeah, we'll link con- Commenting to say in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you would oh, have to pay do for that it, days. but whatever, it's worth, it's worth it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's right. I actually think you do. Yeah. yeah, and then I think other things you need to think about. Make a, make the distinction between the company strategy and the product strategy. Yeah, yeah. Don't conflate the two. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you're like a, a, just getting started, and this, the kind of they are in the in and yeah. of themselves. The same like strategy
0: thing. step one is build the product. So yeah, they are get, thing,
1: get yeah. product market yeah, fit. Yeah. you know. And for us, it was the same. Like get mm-hmm. product market fit was step one, and then yeah. once you've once you have that, you can yeah. kind of pull them apart and go, yeah, okay, yeah. how do do we grow the market? Yeah. How does the product like evolve? intercom
0: inc versus intercom the product? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: yeah, yeah. exactly. You build your sales team, marketing team, and so on. Yeah. So that's a really important distinction. Yeah. If you work in a product team today and feel like you have a reasonably good product strategy and do not have a company strategy, it doesn't feel yeah. like it's a good one. Yeah. That's where you should start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know well, I think circulation is probably the thing that I, I see a lot of them um, like it should be kind of easy to find. It should yeah. like it should be in everyone's minds, but it should definitely be like easier for them to get if it's updated, it should be everyone, it should be informed immediately. Like you have to kind of these things will die on a vine unless you keep like kind of refreshing them and recirculating them. Right. Yeah.
1: That's actually yeah really really good point. You know, administration's a thing here. Mm-hmm. Like the strategy should evolve, like yeah. in little small ways. If it's yeah. a three year strategy, you might tweak it every six months, every mm-hmm. twelve months. If it's going well, it's just small tweaks. You know, if it's not going well, it could be changes. Yeah. But it's a, it should be a living thing, yeah. and it should be kept up to date. Yeah. And the date on it shouldn't be 12 months old, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, like we repeat, or like our mission and our vision, for example, are similar here at Intercom. Mm-hmm. Like we repeat them over and over and over again at our all yeah. hands. Same for the strategy, like re- repetition. Yeah. There's some, some, someone smarter than me said something like this, and I can't remember exact, the exact quote, but it's like the best leaders repeat
0: themselves over and over and over. Yeah, I feel like you definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a compliment or not? I don't know. Uh, okay. That is it for today's episode. Uh, tune in next week where we'll have Joey Wizkid, who's working on a workday care. Uh, <laughs> you can talk to Joey. Okay. We'll talk to Joey here live how it's going on. And uh, but, yep, for now, thanks for listening. Thank you, Paul. All right. And same test. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Intercom on Product podcast. For more content, go to our blog at intercom.com slash
1: blog. Or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher.
0: This is Intercom on Product.